da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Brian Gill, what's the movie of the week this week? This week we're going to be talking about Dirk Nowitzki, The Perfect Shot. Y'all have been waiting a, a while for this one. Yeah, we so have. we should explain. Yeah, because um, I got we got a couple of tweets that people were yeah. like, "Are you are you joking?" No. <laughs> so sure. there's a common, and we're gonna hit you over the head with Comic Con stuff. Don't worry. But there's a common uh, saying in Hollywood that a lot of actors abide by, which is I, I love that you're going with this because that is literally what I was gonna say. I'm excited. Okay, good. No, yeah, this is awesome. So it's one for them, and then one for you. You do the you do an Avengers movie, and then that lets you go do something small that maybe is personal to you, uh, a passion project, if you will, because the other stuff is what pays your bills. This is one for us. We have to see so many movies to do this show, <laughs> and we have to see so many bad movies. We all saw Entourage. We yeah. all saw Draft Day. We all saw, uh, you know, myriad and sundry things, right? And so right. We, we, we have to... Uh, this one's for us. We'll right. explain why later. <laughs> if you're not familiar with uh, this particular gentleman nor this film, I, I, I promise you to stick around. It's going to be one of our shorter reviews where I talk a ton of Comic-Con, but this could be educational for you. This is something that the three of us as Dallas residents are passionate about, and, uh, and it's something different. Hey, we, you Sorry. may learn something. So, Brian, yeah. would you like to add on to that? No, I was just going to say this is our 153rd episode, and this is the first one we've done just for us. So that ratio is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great That's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, a couple hundred hours of, of entertainment <laughs> we've given you guys. So we're going to take right. 25 minutes to talk about uh, a documentary that we personally all enjoy. And not to say that nobody else will enjoy this. It's a great right. documentary, great story, great uh, individual. And uh, anyone can go on iTunes or, or go to their local theater and, and watch it. It is, it is it's out also there, on demand so, yeah. in most cable yeah. systems. There so you check go. it out. And you might learn something that you didn't uh, see coming because we'll, we'll get into that later. But first, we have some house cleaning. Right, Brian? We do. Great. So last week, if you guys remember, um, we had a impromptu – what do you call it? Oh, gosh. There's a particular political term for this. and uh, Election. It, right, but there is an election to fill in a seat that is vacated. I'll do it quickly here in a minute. When you guys start talking, I'll, I'll House of Representatives. No, mm. <laughs> the whip, the whip. That's what it is. So anyway, uh, we had a we have a vacancy in the American Treasure Wing. So we had our first ever Mad About Movies uh, listener election, and we got a lot of tweets and a few Facebook notes and a lot of emails. And uh, so we have our results. So the three nominees, as it were. Uh, I believe were uh, John Stewart, mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey, and Mr. Rob Lowe, and Brian, our newest American treasure, and the recipient roll, please. of a brand new, beautiful denim vest is Mr. Kevin Spacey. It was quite the roller coaster, wow. guys. I. Kevin John Stewart Spacey got was, out to an early lead. Yeah, uh, all the votes that I saw were were John Stewart. I'm gonna it have was to all Stewart. I demand a recount. Early. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. Early polling was all John Stewart and Rob Lowe, and then uh, Kevin Spacey made a uh, made a triumphant return to the polls and surged ahead. So I'm sure he did some shady stuff to make sure that he got the <laughs> denim jacket. I was gonna say it seems like Remy maybe worked some magic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
But uh, yeah, it was a very close vote between uh, Mr. Spacey and Mr. Stewart. But uh, fantastic. Well, congratulations to Mr. Spacey. May we look Congrats. forward to many more years of quality drama and commercials from you. Uh, what else we got? Well, uh, we've got Comic Con. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk the con. A lot of ni- a lot of news yeah. out of the con. This is going to be a con heavy episode. So the, probably the biggest presence or the biggest most excitement around this Comic Con. Uh, would be the Star Wars inclusion because it's you know the first con within total range of the of the Star Wars and I know Brian, uh, pardon me Kent you watched the panel yes uh, what kind of thoughts do you have on it is this gotten you more excited less excited or could you not even are you at capacity it's gotten me even more excited wow uh, I I actually possible. yeah no I actually had I had a lot of hope for this panel because uh, we haven't seen a Star Wars a proper Star Wars panel at a Comic Con since Disney took over things. Uh, we've seen the Star Wars Celebration stuff, which we talked about, which is when they released the uh, the first trailer mm-hmm. to The Force Awakens, or the first official trailer. They had did a teaser we, out Did we cover that. that? I don't know if we covered that. <laughs> <laughs> we only did an hour on the on the trailer. <laughs> oh, Richard, gotcha. you remember correctly. Still crying about that. Yeah. <laughs> I had high hopes for this. I thought they were going to save something. They're going to have some special appearances. Uh, maybe release a new trailer, maybe give us some details about some future films, maybe not The Force Awakens, but you know, reveal some titles or directors or actors for some future Star Wars films. And uh, and what we got was maybe even cooler. We got a little behind-the-scenes video uh, on the making of The Force Awakens, which was great. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's about three and a half minutes yep. of that, and you can find it pretty much on any movie blog or on StarWars.com. If you haven't seen it already, but or in but, your th- dreams, mm. but that was great, yes. and and also uh, it was great to hear JJ and Kathleen Kennedy talk. I love, uh, I love uh, hearing what they have to say uh, always. But they talked to Lawrence Kasdan, uh, the writer, co-writer uh, about the project. They brought out uh, the three new stars, which is Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and Oscar Isaac, and then they brought out the uh, new villains, which is Gwendolyn Christie. Dom Hall Gleason and Adam Driver. Noticeably absent, Lupita Nyong'o, which they've been pumping up her role for a while. But uh, from the footage that they released, she's a mocap character of some kind. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what, what ends up happening with her character. But they also brought out the the legacy uh, characters, is what they, they've affectionately dubbed them. Nice. Which is Leia, Luke, and uh, Harrison Ford, who did show up at the very end and... To a rambunctious applause, uh, crash as landed. You can probably imagine. I actually, crash did crash <laughs> landed on the stage. He was okay yeah. though. Walked away. Yeah. Popped out. Good for him. It was actually yeah. It was a World War One era jet this time, <laughs> so made it kind of interesting. <laughs> fun for those people who followed the first accident. You know, fun little Easter egg there. <laughs> but no, great to see him. And they asked him. Sadly, Chris Hardwick was the moderator, but they asked him, uh, which he was the moderator on a lot of these panels, which that's another subject for another day. He's marketed himself intelligently. He's the only person that ever exists, that has ever existed in the geek culture ever, apparently, now. Yeah, we got Uh, him and Kevin Smith. Him, that's that's it. That's literally it. (laughs) Because nothing's geekier than hosting a singled out show on MTV. You can tell he's authentic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Best episode of Boy Meets So grassroots, yeah. It's not cynical at all. He's always been beaten down by the man. And, no, we love you Chris. You know, he's, he understands the geek. No, Chris you is a great guy. Yeah, he's great it. guy. Yeah, great guy. Friend of the show. Chris, he, he, you know, we, we joke Chris about him because he can handle it, you know? 
Chris is Chris, you know? Yeah. So they asked Harrison Ford what it was like to be back in Star Wars, and he was like, you know what? I thought it would be weird, but he said it felt great. And he was just extremely humbled, he said, to be back and, and everything. You can tell he's come full circle and finally stopped being grumpy old man and has become American treasurer Harrison Ford right. over the past five or ten years. I think uh, the Indiana Jones Crystal Skull will kind of set him straight as far as you can't just do anything anymore and people are going to like it. Like what you did back then was great for a reason and you need to appreciate what you've done in the past more. So great to see him. I'm most excited to see the legacy people in the new, I know, I know the new cast is going to be great and that's going to be what we end up being, you know, being surprised about is how great the new cast is, but we're most intrigued by the old yeah. people coming back to star Wars. I think so that's exciting for me. Did you hear anything else about the, uh, the panel, Brian, did you see the behind the scenes stuff? The, I didn't watch the panel itself, but I did watch the reel that they set out and which I thought was uh, absolutely perfect just because a, it, it gave you a little insight into the making of the show, but it was also way different than anything else that got shown at Comic-Con. I thought yeah. that was a great way to kind of that's true set itself apart while also giving you what you wanted. But, the fact that it opens with Mark Hamill saying real sets, practical effects. I was just like, yes, this is what, this is what I'm, I'm almost more excited about than anything else about this is that it's a return to form and it's a return to the, the legacy of star Wars. So I thought the real was awesome. I, I know that I won't be able to keep myself from watching it, but I, I don't need a new, another trailer. If they just said, Hey guys, guys, guess what? No more trailers. We're just going to roll this movie out on uh, December 18th or whatever, go see it. I, I'm good with that. I don't need to see anything else, but I know I won't be able to keep myself from watching it if and when they, they do put something else out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to attempt to. I think I'm out on anything promotional, so, save from you know like TV stuff. The next trailer is going to be the best one because it's going to re- reveal plot details. Yeah, none of them and, have revealed any plot at all at this and point. I, like I could say what Richard's saying right now, and say, you know what, I'm I'm going to try my best not to, but I will fail. I I can't stay away yeah. from. That's what from I Star told Wars, myself but... with the last one, and we did an hour podcast on it. So. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. going to happen. So I just I I wish, but I would love it if JJ did say, you know what, guys, I don't think you need to see anything else, and. Disney will never let that. It'll never fly. happen. Yeah. I wish in a perfect yeah. that that yeah. would happen, or that I had the. Uh, the willpower to not watch it, but there's no way. I'll watch it 1,000 times like I have the the last one. We can anticipate the next one to have the most spoilery type sh- shots. You know, some of the you know climactic action scenes will be shown. I'm sure a lot of you what know, if who's who what, will be revealed too. So, Brian, what would you do if there's another reveal at the end and Han Solo goes, "Brother, we're home," and it pans over and it's just Dirk. In like a Han Solo outfit. <laughs> I mean, is there any way to get more stoked about this movie? I think I would just—I would probably just die. Like you guys would just get a call a couple of days later and get invited to my funeral or something. And it wouldn't be immediate. It would be like a slow death in bed. Yeah. After seeing it with like a lot of screaming yeah. at the wall and stuff, and then I'm actually really excited because your reaction to the last Star Wars trailer was pretty priceless, Brian. I can't wait to see it Man. for the next one. And we have to go as a team to see the new one too. I have to Done. see your reaction. You I'm going to go 15 times. Like I'm, I, 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 I'm going to start budgeting now for all the movie tickets I'm going to have to buy to see this movie. I've already decided, yeah, I'm just going to stay in the theater and see it twice <laughs> in a row. Just sit my butt in there and see it probably three or four times in a row. Like, yeah. Why would you leave after that <laughs> when it shows again in like 30 minutes, guys? Yeah. Priorities. 
We need priorities. <laughs> it was it was interesting, Brian, that they released a behind the scenes video. You would have thought if they released a trailer, it would have won the con for sure. And uh, it, sadly, Star Wars wasn't one of the most talked about things coming out of of Comic Con, which surprised me. I thought you know, anytime Star Wars yeah. is involved, every the world stops. You know, pretty much, but. Wasn't the biggest news, surprisingly, or the the most talked about trailer or anything like that coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was what was the most exciting? In my one opinion, the people are most excited. the most buzzed about one was it's probably a tie between Suicide Squad and Deadpool. Yeah, as far as what people were like, oh my gosh, this could be this could be really fun. I think everyone knew what they were going to get with Batman v Superman. Everyone knows what to expect on that one. I don't think any. Lines were crossed or reveal anything. Anything was revealed beyond what we yeah. thought we were going to see. Yeah, we should that. talk about that so. though because we did have. Yeah, a yeah we will. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, ask I, us what we thought uh, if our if our opinions had changed based on the new trailer. And the answer to that would be Brian. Uh, no, no. Yeah. I, okay, look, so let's. I'll say this. Can I, let me let me say this. I yeah. I was prepared for Batman v Superman to be an F, like the worst superhero movie of all time. I see I see a little bit of not necessarily hope, but I can see some bright spots in that trailer to lead me to feel like we might get a C or a C plus kind of movie. But there's nothing there that suggests that I'm gonna come away thinking that that's a that that's a good, let alone a great superhero movie. Everything about it just still it just amped the Snyder and I, I don't, I just don't like anything that he does. I don't like his, his sensibilities. So I, for me, I, I did think, you know what? I, I, I like old Ben Affleck. I feel like that's a decent, I don't know what I expected, but seeing old Batman was kind of interesting to me. I like Holly Hunter. I don't know that she's playing a great role there, but I guess we'll see. Anyway, there was enough to make me think, okay, I can see, a little bit of brightness, but it's going to be overwhelmed by the awful eyes that glow in the dark and Batman branding people and Eisenberg just being Eisenberg. I I just can't, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to this one. Eisenberg, Eisenberg looks just so ridiculous in this guy. Wasn't nearly jacked enough for us. He's going to shave his head at some point. It's going to be this dramatic, yeah. You know, Walter White type thing. About that. Oh, and it's going to be oh, such yeah. a cringe. But he looks, with the long hair, he just looks so terrible. Just uh, hopefully that's in the first scene because I, I won't be able to take it. I'll just be laughing. I'll laugh myself right out of the theater. So my thoughts on this is it's not a bad trailer. Uh, but I should say, and I've said this a dozen times, uh, because everyone seems to think... Everyone's emailing and tweeting at us like, oh, see, we told you. And... and, and by gosh, you, you may be right. But I will say, first off, Man of Steel is my favorite trailer of the last five years, and I hate that movie. Secondly, my my thing with Snyder is not that I don't think he can string together five, ten, even twenty minutes of good stuff in this movie. That will be there. He can shoot certain sequences. He's has talent. He can't put a hundred minutes together ever. Right. And so you know, this is gonna be there will be sequences. There's sequences of Man of Steel that are fine, that are good, and then it's just people flying in the buildings for 40 minutes because he, you know, took extra creatine that morning or something, and it's it's off. So, you know, I, until I see Zack Snyder make a 100 minute 
movie that's solid all the way through. That actually, because to make six minutes, you just have to have some sort of visual skill and maybe a little narrative to throw together. But to put together ninety or hundred minutes, you need to care about these characters, and he's just not capable of ever doing that. Making us Agreed. do that as a director, so. Yep. That's where it always just falls apart because in a, he, I think he realizes that on some level. So he just like <laughs> Michael Bay's it up and it, it, it gets rough. So I, I don't, uh, I don't have any doubt. I mean, this trailer is good. There, there's going to be some cool stuff in the movie, but I still, I'm not amped. You know, I'm on the record as being, I don't think this is going to be good. It's going to make a lot of money because it has Batman and Superman in it. But to kind of segue into Suicide Squad, I have kind of the opposite feeling about that. So Suicide Squad, I think is going to be a pretty good movie. Yeah. I, I think, think that has the absolute best chance. To yeah. Be DC's hallmark, but, like great movie. And, good. Movie but I, anyway. but I think with Suicide Squad, it just depends on, it's totally beholden to the expectation of DC with that movie. So if they're trying to get in the kind of the niche superhero market, the to kind of compete, take Suicide Squad and, kind of compete with something like Watchmen or Kick-Ass or something like that, it's going to be better than those movies. And yeah. if that's the space they're trying to play in, go sick. Like, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to like the movie. That's where you're trying to go, this kind of super adult uh, thing. But it, it does seem kind of with the ragtag group of it, it's trying to be Guardians, and it's going to flop if that's the expectation. Yep. Because I think the name, I, you know, regardless of how good it is, the name Suicide Squad is going to re- really turn a yeah. lot of people yeah, who you don't can't take an eight year old. Yeah, people who don't Suicide Squad. people who don't follow. I mean, it'll be probably a hard PG thirteen if not R. Regardless yeah. of that, people who don't are familiar with DC or the property will be really turned off by just Suicide Squad. I won't yeah. personally. I know. I know that. I get the bit, but I mean that's right. going to at least hurt them. They they. And they it's put that in the trailer, like, like sure. you're making us a suit, you know, and they're trying to make it, but it's just, they're going to have trouble marketing this movie. Not that it's going to flop flop, but if they're expecting this to be a billion dollar property, cause it's a huge tent pole summer and it's going to make somewhere between 600 and a billion and compete with, and be their version of guardians. You know, the thing about guard, you know, the difference between them is, is this has a, and I'm down with the tone. I think it looks cool and dark and edgy, but this has a, you know, a menacing, you know, at times satanic looking, you know, tone to it. And then Guardians has a talking raccoon that's sarcastic. Guardians which is one are you going to take your, yeah. Yeah. Which one are you going to take your 10 year old to? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so the, the, they just need to be careful with this. And I, I, I think it's going to be the best of the whole DC thing. I think it looks awesome as yep. a 28 year old dude. I think it looks so cool. But I would be worried, you know, they need to make sure that they have the proper expectation right. for this because I don't yep. see this blowing, blowing, blowing out of the water. Yeah. I don't know what the budget is for Suicide Squad, but if it opens to thirty-five, forty million dollars, they should consider that a, a pretty solid success. Oh, it'll make and that I, for sure. I kind of don't think oh, that's their. I think they expect this is an eighty-two hundred yeah. million dollar uh, exactly. opening weekend if, movie. If they've got this bookended for to make fifty million domestically opening week, yeah, and it's going to be hard PGT or hard R, and it's going to be like how Kickass One opened big. Right. Or if Watchmen had been good, kind of that that audience you're aiming at, then that's right. awesome. Like go after that because Marvel's not touching that. Right. But or they may start now with something like Ant Man, which may be, but you know, but they're not really getting into that niche piece as much. They're playing right. these big, broad theme park superheroes, and if they want to play in that space, that's where they can have, I think, some artistic success at least, and keep the budgets. You know, instead of spending three hundred mil, spend one hundred and fifty and make your 
300 to 400 if it's good and get out, you know, and that's, I'll go see these movies and I'll be excited. But if Batman versus Superman does well, which it will because it has Batman and Superman in it, I think they're going to come off with a lot of momentum of, oh, well, Suicide Squad's going to make 120 opening weekend and then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say best case scenario is something like, like 300 open to around 70 million. And that, I feel like that should be the. Yes. The absolute best case scenario for for uh, suicide, especially squad. if it's R, which yeah. I don't see how it's not. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they should make it R. I think that I think you hit up the nail on the head right there, Richard. If you can't compete with Marvel with what they're doing, and that's what they keep trying to do with Batman versus Superman and those those films. You can't uh, you can't get into that that kind of market. I don't think not not effectively, at least not with Zack Snyder at the helm. But you and can absolutely corner the market. Yeah, yeah. You can corner the market on R-rated uh, superhero comic book movies like that and and make a good chunk of money off of it, uh, enough to make up for your Man of Steel movies not doing as well as they sh- you know, as you think they should. But if they're not going to go that route, I this has identity crisis written all over it if it if they don't find the right market for it. I I, I did want to give some thoughts on Batman v Superman. Because uh, I didn't get to really yeah. talk about it. First of all, trailer confirms that it is, in fact, a courtroom drama. We were not <laughs> joking. The first opening scene is them in court. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming Bruce Wayne suing Superman for all the damage he does in Man right. of Steel. There'll yeah. be some kind of twist there, and that's how they first become rivals. Please play the people's court music. Yeah. So, man, we we riffed on that. For a long time, I mean, we did we did probably an hour on just that that bit of it, it being a courtroom drama, and it's just is it that predictable that we we joke about things like that and that's actually in the movie? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I really do. I think that that V was on purpose because of yeah, that. Yeah, and I think they thought that was sick. <laughs> like, look, we're going to make a Batman versus Superman. But if you notice, it starts with a legal babble, battle. You know about Supreme Court precedents? Well, let me teach you. I was lifting the other day, listened to a podcast, and yep. I heard V, like Roe v. Wade, is a legal term for versus. So what do you, hold on, let me do a curl. <laughs> so what do you guys think of that? By the way, Snyder is totally the creatined out, roided out guy that you would think. I haven't seen many public appearances with Mr. Snyder, but wow, he makes Michael Bay look pretty skinny. I'm I'm pumped for uh, Batman v Superman v Turtle. Yeah. Next, <laughs> the most talked about movie coming out of the con was uh, probably Deadpool, and yeah. I think we had talked about this on the show last year. But Hot on the heels uh, of I, I had seen the. I had seen the concept footage for for Deadpool that had leaked online or something. I don't remember how I saw it, uh, but I don't know if they were officially released it or whatever, but I uh, saw that. That was actually pretty cool. My only concern for the studio is, and I think it's Fox who who's doing this, it's a hard R. They've said that, uh, but this has not worked in the past. Uh, we, we, we're coming off a year with Kingsman, same kind of deal. Didn't really work in the box office. It was kind of a fun little cult movie, uh, but so far hasn't broken any records. And also the two kick-ass movies, which are probably the most applicable comparison to Deadpool. But uh, I think it'll be a you know it'll have a, its own fan base and it'll spawn 
you know, multiple sequels and, and all that. It'll be, it'll be big. It's got a huge built-in fan base, bigger than Guardians had when it, when it was released. So I think it has even better shot of being a hit than Suicide Squad, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have like Nam type flashbacks watching uh, Reynolds play a superhero <laughs> in the theater. So I've got to be ready. He's actually you hear pretty his perfect comments for the on character. Green Lantern. Yeah. No, I think he is perfect for it. And it's finally someone found a, a vehicle for him. Cause I, you know, it's, it's easy to, he's become an easy target, but I mean, there is something to him. I like uh, Ryan Reynolds. I just think he makes yeah. terrible movies. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. So he's an O'Malley for show. Yeah. I think this is, you know, this is kind of his last bit. If this one, yeah, you know, fizzles, he's kind of done. Yeah. Start, start I mean, working on your supporting work, buddy. If you don't, if this yeah, and in, out. get yourself a. I, I guess that Helen know, Mirren ABC. movie didn't really do much for him. He, <laughs> he had a movie released this week, by the way, yeah. called Selfless. Selfless. That, that uh, nobody knows about. So, mission right. accomplished. He was he really lucked out the fact that that movie came out and he was at Comic Con all weekend talking yeah, about Deadpool. Yeah. So it kind of slipped under the rug there. No one really, <laughs> no one really asked him about it, but. That one looks cool to me. That one's pretty anticipated. Uh, I'm gonna, high, I, I would say ceiling for that one, a B plus. So we should sure. talk about, we didn't talk about this at the beginning of the episode and, and you talking about selfless last weekend uh, brings it up. So we should, we should talk about uh, why we're not doing a minions episode <laughs> be, because uh, what do you talk about a minions? Like, what do you say? You know, right. he, there's, he, no, I can tell you why. Because I hate the minions and they're horrible. That's why. Brian, you saw minions. You want to give us a minute to I did. make it, it worthwhile? Was, but you're accurate. Like it's a it's a movie that we it's almost impossible to review. It exists. It's it's entertaining enough. I mean, I I I took a bunch of kids to see it. Um, Just and I might kids go picked up on the street. Yeah, like I Just normally a, do on Mondays. Um, no, I had, I had a sign on your car that said, follow me to Minions. <laughs> yeah. And there was like <laughs> just 50 driving kids 10 miles an hour in. to the theater. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, no, as, as part of my, my employment at a church where I do not harm children, uh, <laughs> I do a thing in the summer where we, we do like a service project in the morning and then we'll go do some kind of activity in the afternoon. So we go to like main event and the movies and things like that. So I took them to see. Minions, uh, because Suicide Squad wasn't out yet, and uh, <laughs> an infomaniac. Can- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Time you. Yeah, it's time you guys learn about Von Trier. Raise your so hand if you know what art is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, none of you. Well, I shall show you. Uh, I I'll say I I laughed more than I I thought I would. It's very cheap humor. It's very. It's a lot of physical comedy. It's like animated Three Stooges, basically. But there wasn't. It was very harmless too. There wasn't anything wrong with it. I I think Despicable Me and Despicable Me Two are both B type decent animated movies. Like if my kid wants to watch Despicable Me, I can sit through that without any problem. Uh, and Minions was basically on that same level. It's I see why it was a huge hit because the kids all really loved it, and you know parents like me will do anything to get out of the house for a couple of hours and not kill themselves with their kids. So. Uh, that's, you know, it was fine. It, it, uh, it hit all the marks that you expect that it's going to hit and made a ton of money, but I also don't think anyone will remember it in a year. And I think that's the big deal with, with these movies, with this series is that, uh, you know, I just don't, they don't have any kind of cultural impact beyond, 
a couple weeks after release, you know, and that, and that's that's what this is. That'll be so uh, theme park fun. rides, basically. For you know, you throw your kid in there for an hour and a half. Yeah, he rides yeah. it. He forgets about it. Right. Cool. And this week it'll finish second or third because Ant Man's gonna gonna do quite well. And I don't feel like there's anything that's coming out the next week, but I may be wrong. Train and then train wreck. Train wreck comes out this week too, but I I don't I don't know how big that's gonna be, guys. Like. If it opens to more than $10 million, I think I might be surprised. Oh, wow. Even I think it's going to do better than that. Better than I think that. it'll be a big date night. Okay. Big date night flick. I would love to be wrong because I want that. A, I like Amy Schumer quite a bit. And, and B, I, I think LeBron's going to actually bring a lot to the theater. No, That's yeah. true. I forgot about LeBron. But by the time Mission Impossible rolls around, no one will be thinking about Minions anymore. And, and that's fine. It, it served its purpose. I, yeah. I disagree. I think it'll be around a lot longer than we think it will. There, I mean, there, there's going to be. I mean, Inside Out's the only thing, but Inside Out's been out a month. It seems like now. Sure. Uh, so in a month, the only kids movie that will be out will be Minions, and it will still be the. It'll still be, it'll be top ten for until it's done until they pull. Sure, it. I'm sure it'll it'll be ranked somewhere, but no one's going to be talking about oh, it. Like well, sure. Inside Out, we're going to be talking about at the end of the year. You still, mean you, you know? mean you don't go to the office and everyone's just talking <laughs> about Minions like that? Even that's how it is in my office right just, now. Like I work with kids, I just don't feel like any kid over the age of six or seven is going to be still stoked about this movie come the beginning of the school year, you know. And that's that's fine. Those movies are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's very harmless comedy, but I don't think that it's that anyway. To to answer your question, that's why we did not do Minions this week is because I just reviewed the entire movie in three minutes. So that's all we have. <laughs> And Kent was furious about going. And I, I despise the minions. They're, they're leading to the downfall of our youth, but it's okay. Uh, Richard, any thoughts on that? No, I'm not going to make that joke. So, no, not, nothing. I appreciate it. My job. No problem. You're welcome. Any other con type stuff? Any other movie news? Keep getting them checked, big, Brian. Big type things. Did you guys watch any of the TV trailers? Any of that stuff? Uh, no, I was busy uh, with anything else. So, <laughs> what what did I miss? No, seriously, what 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 was a good TV? Tri- what sh- what should I be excited about? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot, but both of the Walking Dead's had previews, which was they were both. Inter- oh, that's right. There's two Walking Dead's now. Yeah, yeah, they were both inter- interesting. Okay. I, I like the concept of the new Walking Dead. I kind of wish. You know, Greenwald pitched the idea at one point of having like an anthology series attached to The Walking Dead, just like two weeks of survivors in Britain and then two weeks of survivors in New York, you know, and just kind of yeah, bounce basically around. what they're doing with it. Right. Yeah. But I think it is a little more centralized, like it's going to be West Coast uh, and new new people and everything. But I think it's going to kind of be self-contained with that that group of people. So it's going to be yeah. so, Walking Dead West, Walking but more Dead about films- the. The, in Georgia, the, right? Yes. Uh-huh. How much do they hate the new cast? Like you get to live in you get to live in <laughs> California. We're yeah. in rural Georgia at this old prison <laughs> for 17 years cuz the show's never going to die. <laughs> and you're like you're in the Palisades and you're the new meat. I've been doing this for 9 years. <laughs> the show's been around a long time. Yeah, really has. I follow I actually followed it since the beginning though. So I can yeah, probably same. say that I'm a avid walking dead watcher there's like three episodes a year where i almost quit i'm almost just like yep, i don't same. care about this anymore and then the next episode will bring me back around i'm like okay all right all right this is not terrible so walking dead's the only show that i've uh the anti-brian where i've seen probably 
10 episodes, but no particular order and that no, not never on purpose. I'm always somewhere and everyone's watching it in a group and I watch it and I don't hate it, but I've, I've never, you know, dove yeah. in. And now there's so many episodes that it's just never going to happen. I don't care about zombies really. So yeah, I'm with that's that. kind of makes me out on it, but it seems well-made. So I'll, I'll give it that. You get the old Richard Barden, you, your tech, your solid technicians. There is a lot of wood, people. so I can understand. Yeah, there's, there's a, lot a lot of, of woods, and, and I don't like my other phobia that I've not talked about. This I don't watch anything with like prisons. I'm terrified of prisons. Well, I, don't, I won't season, watch. Uh, so. We're just a new black. <laughs> I, it's okay. It's it's basically like a lot prison. of woods, well. and then prison, and then a lot more woods. Yeah, that's basically the next progression. Time, uh, yeah, next time we don't have a pretty movie much to every watch. nightmare I have at night. <laughs> next time we yeah. don't have a movie to watch, we should just do uh, Richard Ranks's fears, and I'll chime in too. I've got some that are also ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that would be a lot of fun. If you if if I turned on Walking Dead and it was woods, prison, and then woods, <laughs> and then like all of a sudden I walk by naked, and then like a bunch of my fifth grade class laughs at me it would be every nightmare i've ever had oh my gosh uh, funny anything else movie news i think that was about it man it was a interesting considering con. it was yeah considering you had star wars batman and superman and then some lesser superhero properties it felt still kind of like a lame comic-con which is weird they actually it's had a coming more hype machine and less time to drop some news on you yeah you know which is fine. That's it serves its purpose for sure. Um, so I guess we can just talk about Dirk now. Stay with us, listeners. This yeah. won't be long, and you'll learn something. I did watch this. I, I I rented this on iTunes, and and just finished this as we as we hopped on here and started the podcast. But if you guys don't know, we live in Dallas Fort Worth, and Dirk Nowitzki's basketball player. He's a he's a god here. I mean, he's in the Mount Rushmore of Dallas athletes, and that's pretty. It's that's saying something. We're just, this is a big we're sports just citizens. Town. This I mean, this combines two loves of ours, which is sports, and uh, which is film. So yeah, like Richard said at the at the beginning of this, this one's for us, and more so for you guys. Richard and Brian are the biggest Mavs fans I know. Uh, honestly, I know a lot of people. Uh, I, I will brag. And say I know a lot of people. I know a lot, tons of people, and and y'all are y'all are by far the, the the biggest Mavs fans, if not the biggest Dirk fans that I've met. Uh, so man, I, I I can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. I'm gonna let y'all kind of I'll lead the way on this episode, and I'll I'll chime in with my thoughts. I'm I'm way more of a bystander of this entire Mavs run that they've been on the past ten years than y'all are. Y'all are way more actively involved in the, the Mavs fan base than I am. So, and, and we will, we should say, we'll let you lead the way when the, um, when the Darian Hatcher documentary comes out. Yeah. Next year. That's all you, <laughs> Mike Madonna, Mike Madonna. Yeah. Okay. Doc. Yeah. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. But, um, so anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. So, uh, he's the pie five guy, right? Madonna. <laughs> yeah. He's Who that is CEO. That is what he's known for. Sure. Dirk. Is a uh, is a basketball player, but the, the, this movie's not really about uh, Dirk as much as it's about a, a, a gentleman by the name of Holger. Uh, I'm going to butcher this last name, Gershwinder, who's a German basketball player and physicist <laughs> who basically finds this uh, you know lanky 14 year old kid that's playing some handball and some tennis and, and create and honestly creates him. 
uh, through science and drills and everything into probably a top 10 or 12 NBA basketball player of all time and the greatest, uh, you know, truly foreign player of all time. Akeem Olajuwon is also a great foreign player, but he played uh, collegiately in the United States. So Dirk is kind of the first true foreigner um, uh, NBA player. So uh, great, great NBA player. So uh, he, he's he's someone that came over to Dallas when he's like this 18 year old gangly kid, and he was terrible. Yeah. And he's Brian and we I and, and Kent have watched. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we watched him evolve into not only a great player but a incredible spokesperson for our city and uh, all around cool guy. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make him an American treasure one day, even though he's from Würzburg, Germany. That's just we we make the rules, so right. deal with it. There's going to be a and wing so, called honorary American treasures, and those are <laughs> right. those. I'd say we just put him in with the rest. I don't <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to complain, and if no. they do, you know that's fine. So uh, the Brian, vest you... is going to be just terrible to try to sew together, though. Just a <laughs> yeah, huge it's going to be a large, I mean, like seven. ten yards of denim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tall uh, for my age. <laughs> You know, Let's make Dirk a, a Canadian tux. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all denim suit with the Nike swoosh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so this is a movie about not only the coming of age of this young German basketball player who who is about as unlikely of a worldwide athlete as one could imagine. Mm-hmm. He's not terribly athletic, uh, but he, like his mentor Holger, is shares this kind of frenetical or frenetic, uh, frantic work ethic. And uh, attention to detail. And the movie is really about that, the science of essentially creating a basketball player out of someone who really is just tall and has nice touch and he's slow and uh, everything. But it's just about the the creation of that. And then it kind of culminates with uh, 2011, which was the greatest run of Brian and I's life. Including, I'll go ahead and say, uh, Brian's wedding and and birth of child. And so it, it has this great great fun ending where we get to kind of watch it. And it's one of the great teams of all time that 2011 is in terms of just fun people on the team. Right. Uh, but Dirk is, is the best. He's the best, most fun athlete. And this really shows him personally and his family and where he comes from. And he's just a very likable person. The, uh, there's a, I think Washington post or New York times review of this movie last week. And the movie's not perfect. It's, it's made for a German audience. There's a lot of German in it and a lot of subtitles, but this movie, the, this, they summed up to me by saying all this movie is a movie about a guy who happens to be really good at basketball, who everybody seems to really like. And that's just fine. Yeah. Like that's the movie. <laughs> and so he's just a very affable human being. That's happens to be real. As he puts it, I'm just really, it's kind of crazy. I'm just really good at putting the ball in the basket. So, I mean, everyone else is good at their job too. So <laughs> it's like the most depressing, uh, summing up of a uh, career ever, but Brian, I'll let you go. So you're Dirk. Yeah. Fest. It's like the first year that, that I really cared about sports and about, uh, about the Mavs in particular was, was 1992 they won 11 games they were a joke and they were for the first like eight nine years of my true fandom and i'm talking like i watched 82 games a year and if i couldn't watch it i listened to it on the radio and i i mean i lived and breathed it i was furious when we drafted dirk because we the maps had this history of drafting and procuring white guys who couldn't play basketball and uh, I was just so, so beaten by bringing in another white guy who clearly could not play basketball. And that first year, I think we all thought, well, this guy's terrible and he'll be out of the league in three years, just like everybody else we've ever drafted. And then within within three or four years, you, he just had become this all-encompassing force. And, uh, you know, watching 
through this last uh, last decade or so, him being able to win the title and 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 bring us a title. I know Richard and I both felt like we had won a title in some ways uh, by being such hardcore fans of that team through thick and thin and awful things and terrible losses and uh, and all that stuff and and. It was so exciting to be a fan of that team when that happened and a fan of that guy. But I, I still to this day, I, I will always feel more uh, excitement for Dirk <laughs> for having able been able to accomplish this thing. Because the, I think that kind of shows like the, that's how much I uh, love and appreciate this guy. I've said before that like the only way that anyone could ever be could ever replace Dirk as my favorite athlete of all time would be if my son became a professional athlete. And even then, maybe only after he won a title, like it might be pretty close for a while. Um, so it's this Richard, you said the documentary is not perfect by any means. And yeah, it's definitely made for uh, a hometown audience. Let's say a, a German audience, not necessarily over here, but I think it gives you a good taste of who Dirk is and the type of person that he is and uh, gives anyone who watches this, I think he's going to come away not only impressed with what a worker he is, which is why he is where he is. And uh, Richard said top 10, 12 player of all time. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, but also you get a, You get a taste of his sense of humor. And that's something that we here in the Metroplex have always gotten to see. Not always. He couldn't speak. He barely could, he could barely speak English when he came over and I uh, was very nervous for a long time. But uh, as he's gotten more comfortable here, it's rare for a professional athlete to have the kind of sense of humor that he has, not only about himself, but just in general. Um, he's a really funny guy. He's very humble. Uh, and so it was, it was interesting and it was fun watching this, this little documentary and seeing some of that being brought to light and uh, hopefully being shown to a little bit of a wider audience than what we, we get here in, in Dallas Fort Worth. But uh Man, I, I really enjoyed this a lot. It's it's not a by any means going to be like a great movie, um, but it, it definitely put me back on kind of a roller coaster of emotions. And uh, I mean, I I felt sick watching the uh, <laughs> watching the the replays, and the, the highlights from the the, the two thousand six finals when we lost to the Heat, and uh, and but then sheer elation when it got into the 2011 and hearing Dirk sing the worst rendition of we are the champions ever. <laughs> and yeah, man, it was really cool. And, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that people are going to get, I don't know how many people are going to watch this movie. Maybe a few people that hear our podcast will seek it out. And, and so it will have reached, you know, 10 more people maybe than it, than it might have otherwise. I'm, I'm glad that people are going to get a taste of what we have gotten on a daily basis really for the last 15 years, because the guy is a, the guy is great, not just on the court, but off the court and has always been, he's the perfect kind of ambassador. He's the kind of guy that your franchise, whatever your team is, this is the kind of guy that your team has sought forever. And they, they come around so rarely. I got a little teary eyed a few times throughout this one, just thinking about, what I had been through with this team and then over the course of the last 25 years and then also thinking about like we're probably only going to get two more years of this guy playing and that made me incredibly sad because it's it will take us another 20 years to find somebody to replace him at least he really made Mavs basketball bearable that's, yeah that oh, says yeah. a lot <laughs> single-handedly 
made it bearable. But I think Mark Cuban has a lot to do. I mean, Dirk was totally. already here when Cuban got here, but right. Cuban took the whole team to another level too. He put pieces mm-hmm. around Dirk to make him succeed. Well, yeah, it's. it's I, a- I, I think if Cuban had never been around, I think Dirk would have been traded eventually or something. He was too big yeah, an I asset so to have on a on a, such a bad team. Yeah, I think you're right. Man, how weird would that have been? Do you ever? Think yeah, you, I mean, it was ever, always talked about. There were multiple times over the last uh, 10, 15 years that that was a consideration, and the general public, I think. It's funny, like even in in this town, I don't think that the average basketball fan really understood how good Dirk was and what he was doing until we won the title. And then it was a a kind of it's like I think a lot of people turned around that had been uh, underappreciating what he what he was and what he is until we got the ring, and it that changes everybody's opinion. But it was interesting and. I don't know, Richard, you probably, I don't know how much you agree with me on this, but it was interesting watching the way in which he won people over, over the course of the last, uh, 10 years or so and how, uh, it felt like maybe it was 50, 50 in like 2004 fan base in the Metroplex of, you know, this is a great player or we got to trade this guy. And then, you know, kind of every year since then, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until ultimately got the ring. I think if someone is really jaded about sports or in sports figures and and athletes in general, this is a movie that would, that will give you hope. Like, Oh, there are really normal, hardworking people that do this. Just like if, you know, you, if you only ever saw, you know, Jeremy Piven as an actor, (laughs) it would be nice to know that Tom Hanks exists. And sure. uh, and so if you yeah if you didn't watch very many movies and you only were aware of the oeuvre of of, of one Jeremy Piven, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you saw Apollo thirteen, this can be your Apollo thirteen about sports. I think you're welcome. Best analogy. Sure. Let's just shut it down. Shut it down. Let's go home. <laughs> Michael Finley made a great analogy when he said that Holger was like the mad scientist and Dirk was like his Frankenstein. Yeah, I thought that was a yeah. great way totally. to put it. What what yeah, an, interesting, an interesting figure. That could be a movie in itself. Just a movie about Dirk and Holger's relationship. I bet that's yeah. such a crazy story if you really get down into the, the details of it. Sure. And, and I'm this glad gives I'm, you a passing look at it. I'm sure. glad they they focused on that. By the way, Holger is, yeah, like his his personal coach. And I found it really interesting. I never really thought about it much until now, is the fact that Carlisle has basically let Dirk have his own coach. This yeah. whole time. So really, Dirk's coach has been the same his whole career, you know, his real coach. Uh, Carlisle will call the plays, but Dirk's real coach is Holger. And, man, what an interesting dynamic they have going yeah. on. And mm-hmm. I, I got to admit, I, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but the first time I ever saw Dirk play, I knew he was a champion. Like, he just has that had that quality, you know? Like, I, I think Donnie Nelson said the same thing. He said when he first time he saw him play, he was he was just like, "Who in God's name is this kid?" You know, mm-hmm. and he just has that undeniable ability, natural skill. Um, yeah, that I, I did not. I like I said, I was I was so furious when we picked him because it. Uh, I'm just gonna keep saying we, and if we get flack about it, I don't I don't really care. I was so furious when the Mavs picked him because we just had such bad draft work up to that point and. Still continue to have uh, draft work. But, uh, yeah, 
Dirk was it, it took in his second year, I felt like you could start to see like he became more comfortable and you could start to see it. The third year is when you really started to think, okay, this guy could be could be something special. But I I don't know that I properly appreciated him until two thousand four, which is when Steve Nash left. Because I yeah, think Dirk he, took another he took notch up up from there and and that was a I think that made both of those players, both Nash and and Nowitzki, made them who they were in a lot of ways. I don't think either one of them could have achieved what they achieved uh, together because I think they had to be separate to to really prosper, if that makes sense. And and that was the that was the first year that I felt like okay, this guy I, I feel comfortable with with my franchise in this guy's hands. And while I loved learning about Lisa Tyner taking in Dirk, I wish there was more time spent about. That Dirk Nash dynamic, yeah, absolutely. because that's yeah. I mean, that's there's a lot of missing. stories about that in Nashy. photographs. Yeah, uh, Nashi and Nashi and Finn and all those guys. Are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously big mentors of mine. And, uh, Dirk, you know. yeah, always here. That's in incredible. Anyway. Always here. Yeah. So if they do the Dirk and Holger movie, I think you go Ben Stiller with dyed gray hair for Holger. <laughs> And Owen Wilson on stilts is Dirk. You sure. make it a buddy comedy. I think Christoph Waltz is Holger. That's not bad. <laughs> like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Holger Owen Wilson standing on Luke Wilson inside the stilts. <laughs> in one of the, in there, and Dirk wears a trench coat the whole time. Yeah. It's like a Muppet Man thing. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad we talked about this. And we didn't cry, Brian. <laughs> so that's, there's that. Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. What, no, what an, let me just touch on Holger a little bit. Just because of the software that he had, that, might, uh, that blew oh, my yeah. mind, too. Yeah, same here. That was nuts. Did he write that code? Or He wow. said we we made it into a computer program. So I, I mean, don't know. I think a, so. How he said he could he could just teach anyone to shoot perfect free throws just by yeah. a technique that he made on a computer program. That was incredible. And, and that guy could, that and shot – he could put the – environment on any point like here's what jerk Dirk's shot would look on, like on neptune yeah like, what's the <laughs> why do you even know that so yeah. crazy in case. <laughs> never know extraneous. never know when the monsters <laughs> are going to show up <laughs> exactly <laughs> Dirk, if you're playing on mars you need to shoot like this <laughs> oh man they, they also interview a gentleman who has made 2750 consecutive free throws yeah which yeah is, that, Pretty nuts. That, guy that likes guy's party. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Dirk yes, said he does. he's but made hey. like 25 in a row or something like that. But he said Peja could make 100, honestly. Well, that was threes. Yeah. Those were threes. Yeah. That's even crazy. That's what I Peja, mean. Peja and Steph Curry, I, I've heard, has made 97 out of 100. Yeah. And Peja is like 95 out of 100, which is... I mean, if you don't know anything about basketball, it's a twenty-seven foot shot. Yeah, so it was interesting. Was also, the fact that the fact that Holger was related to or learned basketball from the person who brought basketball to Germany. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. like the most pure form ever of learning the game. So, uh, yeah, Dirk's basketball game is just is so. It's so yeah, it's just so fundamental and it's so classic the way he plays. He he. He could have played in the times of Magic Johnson and Bird and been great, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Larry Bird recently said something to the effect of the only players that he feels like could play in his generation, which was the best the best era of basketball, I, I think is pretty fair to say. But uh, Kobe he, he, and, he has said Dirk. that Kobe, uh, LeBron, Durant, Duncan, and Dirk are the only guys that could have, that could have hung with, with that group. 
in the in the eighties and into the early nineties. And I I think he's right because it's a it's not just the physicality, it's not just the athleticism, it's this ridiculous work ethic that as much as we would like to think all of our professional athletes have, most of them don't. Most of them do not spend the time in the gym that those guys do. Kobe Bryant has like a psychopathic work yeah. ethic for for as much as you know i'm not a kobe fan or a laker fan at all and i've made plenty of fun of kobe over the years but that dude works and uh and dirk is kind of in that same is in that same group it's just a it's a crazy amount of time that he puts into and you can tell you can tell every year he comes back with something new uh and that is a very rare quality yeah and i would seriously if you're not a sports fan at all still i mean look i'm not into Donkey Kong when I watch King Kong I'm not I'm right. not like watching tightrope walking and I you know I watch that I mean it's, inter- it's a documentary that should be interesting to watch how someone becomes great at any type of craft uh, yeah. the sushi documentary that's on Netflix is fabulous this kind of fits into that it's just an mm. interesting story it's a you know there's a lot of athletes that you know they were the best athlete um, at let's say you're a football player they were they were good at football in seventh grade and then eighth grade and then ninth grade and then their senior year. And then they went to college. And then they were the third pick in the NFL and then they dominated the NFL. I mean, that's a narrative we're used to, but this is something that's a different way sure. of approaching, uh, kind of that rise. And the, the, the unexpected nature of it is what makes it great. So it really is a great story aside from the fact that, um, that I love him so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Let's go grades here, guys. So I'll go first. This is probably like a B minus movie, but it's about Dirk. So I'm going to give it A and then an infinitesimal amount of pluses. <laughs> or no, that's not that's the wrong word. Is that infinitesimal small? An incredible yeah. amount of the uh, an infinite amount of, of there pluses. Is. There yeah. it is. Boom. It's late. I'm tired. Brian. <laughs> I, very similar. I think it's probably like a B plus documentary, but because it is Dirk. It will always be in my heart, and thus A and 41 plus marks after it. Oh, there you go. A and 41 pluses for me, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a B movie, but since it's Dirk, it gets a plus, so it's a B plus for me. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Dirk. Definitely check it out, though, seriously. It's a, it's a, it's like an hour and a half long. It's a feel good. It doesn't feel like movie. Schindler's List. I mean, yeah. it's not like that long. <laughs> they do use yeah. a lot of clips from that. Because of the German part, which is, I thought, weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little insensitive. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on and let's uh, hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay. Who wants to go? I'll go last because I forgot the Bry guy. So uh, this last weekend, I took a little road trip vacation with my wife. And one of the things that we normally do on a road trip, because we're really cool people, is we listen to an audio book and listen to an interesting book that is going to make a great movie. I don't know if it's a great book, okay? But it does come out in theaters. It's either next year or 2017. It's currently in in the works. Uh, The book is called The Circle. It's by Dave Eggers. It is basically, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, I would say it is 1984 for the social media age. Uh, very interesting. It's got a lot of uh, mystery and intrigue and that kind of thing. It's kind of addictive reading, I felt like, for the first, at least the first half. Uh, and the uh, the movie, I'm going to pull it up here. 
But you know when you read a book and you're like, okay, I don't know how great this is, but you can just feel like this is going to be a good movie. I, I feel best way with this one. It does come out next year. Uh, it doesn't have a release date yet. But Tom Hanks is starring along with Emma Watson. So uh, I, I like that uh, like that cast. It's, it's got a ways to go before they finish out the cast and all that. But um, I really enjoyed it. It's very very intriguing and interesting. And uh, and if you're if you're one and if you're someone like me that likes to uh, keep up on the movies that are or excuse me the books that are about to become movies because I'm so literary and that's the, a lot of the reading that I do. Uh, um, definitely check it out. It's called The Circle. Dave Eggers. Yeah, Dave Eggers is great. I, McSweeney's is a great uh, read every morning too. Uh, uh-huh. The uh, the internet little kind of comedy they put out. He he runs that whole McSweeney's publishing house, or at least he used to. And sure, he's great. He's very interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm psyched for that movie too. I've not read that book, but I've read. It's interesting. A of the, I mean, yeah, I, I would awesome. I would give it a read. If I, and that's not really the type of book you typically you know read or recommend or anything. Like yeah, that, but I think you'd enjoy it. It's no, a good like beach to... read, but but not James Patterson level beach read. Yeah, you know no, I mean? exactly. Har- Harping Work of Staggering Genius is a book he did that's good, and uh, Z- I really liked. And it was out of my wheelhouse. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher it. It's like Zitorn or something. It's a Katrina book, okay. and uh, it's it's uh, it's excellent as well. If you ever want to dive down there, um, so it's so you're saying it's going to be a better social media uh, 1984 than the um, Jennifer Gardner, Adam Sandler, Jason Reitman film. Oh yes, yes. I forgot huh. about that movie completely. Men, like women, and children. Yeah. yeah, men, women, and children. Good. Because that took over the world. <laughs> that movie. It's a good trailer. Yeah. It was a good trailer. That's two strikes now for the old right. <laughs> it's like anyway, uh, Kent. Your weekly recommend. Yeah, I'm gonna recommend a documentary that I revisited this past week. Uh, this we just talked about a great uh, individual that we grew up. Loving, and I grew up loving Radiohead, and mm. there's a documentary called Meeting People is Easy that okay. they did uh, a while ago. They they produced it back in the OK Computer times, and wow. it's really just kind of follows them around and has some live footage, and it's just really kind of very Radiohead-y, and okay. if, if you listen to Radiohead, you'll know what that means. It's just kind of some really kind of modern art type stuff, and then uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, but if you like Radiohead, you'll like it, and I hadn't watched it in a couple of years, and I revisited. I revisited it and really enjoyed it. So, is it streaming anywhere? It's not. Um, I actually have it uh, on DVD. So gotcha. I believe you can get it on eBay or Amazon for yeah. a couple bucks. But I, cool. it, it probably actually is streaming. But you have to buy it like iTunes or Amazon. Yeah. I don't think it's mm-hmm. on Netflix or anything. But check Hope that out, check Richard. Out. You guys will like it. We, we I'm pumped. We're all Radiohead fans. By the way, the new album's supposed to be out. Within the year, so needs to happen. Very cool. Love, Very love cool. it. Uh, go, Richard. Yeah, so mine is a sitcom that actually premieres tomorrow, and uh, there's a. Uh, it's weird to say the network, but on TV Land, uh, the uh, Jim Gaffigan show comes out tomorrow. Nice. And uh, I think only six of the first eight episodes are about Hot Pockets. So, you know, <laughs> once he gets that out of his system, no. Um, but I like Jim Gaffigan and this show actually looks really funny and I've enjoyed the marketing campaign and there was a preview online full episode of the pilot that I watched that was uh, actually really funny and Michael Ian Black who's who's great um, and you know Jim Gaffigan if you've read his book Dad is Fat um, you know he lives in New York City with I think five kids in a New York uh, Manhattan two bedroom apartment so there's enough there I think for a quality sitcom so uh, it looks like it's going to be kind of a family friendly Louie it's single cam and uh, all that so 
Yeah, give it a shot. Jim Gaffigan's uh, a funny, a funny fella. TV Land has yeah. their own channel now. Yeah, they have for a while. It's mostly oh, wow. Golden Girls reruns and stuff. It's pretty baller. But now they're getting yeah. into that original programming. Uh, they have they for a couple that years with Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, they have oh, what yeah, they do. Betty White. It's yeah. mostly been they accumulate sitcom stars from. I'm not kidding. From old sitcoms and put them all in a crappy sitcom together. So Hot in Cleveland was like Daphne from Frasier, Betty White, the lady from Just Shoot Me, and Valerie Bertinelli. And then you they knew who one. was on uh, Kirstie Alley did one with, that yes. had Michael Richards from Seinfeld on yes. there. And then there's another one called The Exes, which is the tall chick from Third Rock from the Sun, the black dude from Scrubs, Newman, <laughs> and somebody. I mean, like, that, yeah. that seems to have been their modus operandi. But now they've kind of elevated it. They have this in a show called Impastor. Or imposter, or something that are kind of high end uh, original program. That are I saw, I heard Gaffigan on on Howard Stern a couple weeks ago promoting this, and he said he was asked why TV Land, and he said because they are the only people who would let us do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's an interesting. So that's, that's all uh, to you go need. With that yeah, uh, Greenwald again. It's the second time I mentioned him. Andy Greenwald on Grantland did an interview with on podcast form uh, with I uh, to that. yeah with Gaffigan and his wife Janine Janine. Yeah. Genie, I think. Genie. She's the co creator, uh, right? Yeah. She co writes all of his stuff, which I did. They co write all his stand up together. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. They've got an interesting dynamic, but it's worth listening to. It's like 30 minutes long, but he talked about that in depth of like the process to which they got to TV land and just the junk that they went through with network TV and stuff like that. It was very interesting. It, it does seem like even if you have, if you're TV land, which isn't like, doesn't have a lot of cachet as a network. Like it gets viewers, but it's kind of thought of as a silly network that airs old sitcoms. It is funny that it seems like if you just let people do whatever they want, you'll get really big stars. Like I don't understand why yep. people can't figure that out. Yep, network TV man always lagging behind. Yeah, I've always liked well, cool. Gaffigan. That was fun. Yeah, Gaffigan's yeah. a big fan. Yeah, big fan. Uh, of Mystery Gaffigan. Universe was the comedy special I've seen on yeah. of him, and uh, you can listen to that on Spotify too. It's funny stuff. Okay, Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me in the old Twitter at BGill12. Uh, you can find my writing occasionally at the madaboutmoviespodcast.com website. Remember to look us up as a group at MAM underscore podcast at, on the Twitter. We'd love to hear from you at our email address as well. Uh, Richard, how about you? Where can we find you? Hey, and that email address is madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just click uh, the contact on the website. You can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter, B-A-R-D-O-N, or richardbarden.com, which is also, believe it or not, B-A-R-D-O-N. And Kent, where might I find you? You could find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you could find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. If you like what you hear you want to keep the show going, you can donate at the website as well. And uh, if you like what you hear, do please leave us five stars on iTunes. That would be lovely. Yeah, we read those reviews too. We will do a uh, – we'll read some reviews and some emails uh, on an episode this week. But uh, guys, I'll see you in a few weeks. I'm off to the compound. Have fun. All right. Shoot some guns. I'm not going to do that this year. I'm, I'm uh, going to go more pacifist with my, with my vacation. But I love you all. And I love you. All you listeners, I'll be available to repel if you missed my birth. <laughs> and on that note, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those.
potatoes, tossed salads, and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. 